Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. If you are a part of our Lighthouse Church family, we would love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Church NC or online at lighthousechurchnc.org. We want to get you plugged into a connect group or on the dream team so that you are doing life together with people just like you. We hope you enjoy today's message and stay tuned for more announcements at the end of our podcast. For us today, we are kicking off a brand new teaching series that we are calling Disconnected. And I know that visual might look a little depressing, but it really is a cultural phenomenon and something that we are dealing with. I would call it a cultural epidemic that we are living in the most connected time ever, and yet it's also one of the loneliest times ever. People are more connected than they've ever been, and yet many people are lonelier than they've ever been. So we're going to talk about that today. Is that all right with you all? All right, let's go to the book of Ecclesiastes, and we're going to be in chapter 4. I'm going to read a few passages of Scripture that I'm going to share out of the message. And then what we're going to do after that is the band's going to come back on stage. We're going to worship some more. There'll be an opportunity to pray, pray for anyone that has a need. And then we'll send you on out of here. Our cafe team has done an incredible job preparing some treats for you all, okay? So y'all are going to get some treats after service, but not until you hear the message, okay? We got to hear the message. So verse 7 of Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says, I observed yet another example of meaningless in our world. This is the case of a man who was all alone. He had no child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, why am I working? Why am I giving up so much pleasure Now, it is all so meaningless and depressing. Two people can accomplish more um, than twice as much as one. They get a better return for their labor. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. How many know that's the truth right there? How many know that if you are going through a hard time and you are all alone, you're in trouble? You need someone that's going to be there for you when things are going well. Can I get an amen on that? And on a cold night, two under the same blanket can gain warmth from one another. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. For the next few minutes, I want to talk to you on this thought, digital disruptions. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the opportunity to now dive into your word. We thank you, Father, for meeting us here and worship. We felt your presence, Lord God. In spite of the technical difficulties, we felt your hand here, and we're just excited to be in your presence because we realize, God, that none of that is a prerequisite to what you will do in this house. So, Father, now we just pray that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds, Lord God. We want to hear you, Father. We want you to speak because we are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands one last time. You're clapping for the Chiefs who are going to win the Super Bowl today. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You may be seated. I want to talk to you about digital disruptions. Digital disruptions. Where were you in 1997? Think about that for a second. Where were you? I was a junior in high school, one of the greatest high schools on the face of this country. No, it wasn't. It really wasn't. But I was a junior in high school, Benita Vista High School. Some of you weren't even born yet in 1997. You're probably thinking, gosh, how old is this guy anyway? Um, And I know it's an interesting question to start with, but in 1997 was really when you would, you, you would see the introduction that really was what most people would point to as the beginning 
of social media. Social media, not the internet, but social media got its start in 1997. And many believe is, is that it began with AOL Instant Messenger. Can I get someone to shout me down for some AOL Instant Messenger? And we abbreviated it. We called it an IM. How many of you know that before there was a DM, there was an IM? My God. Revelation. No, I'm kidding. Um, but we would say, I sent him an IM. I sent him an instant message. And that's where all of a sudden media got social. In 1999, Blogger was created. And you could just create an account on Blogger and post your own blogs. And then people would comment. And they would begin to engage with one another. Media was social. It's also believed that trolls were beginning, <laughs> were birthed in 1999. If you don't know what a troll is, I'm talking digitally right now, right? It's like people that never say good about anything. They are trolling, okay? They say that started in 1999, too. In 2002, Friendster started. Uh-oh. How many of y'all had a Friendster account? Anybody in the room? No, I didn't. But, 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 but this is what I know a lot of y'all had this. But you know what else started in 2002? Everyone's connected. Y'all remember everyone's connected? You know what's crazy about that is that was a British social networking site that was hijacked by a bunch of apostolic and Pentecostal churches, and they literally took over. I'm telling you, the Pentecostal apostolic church literally hijacked an entire social media platform, so much so that British now hate apostolics. I don't know if you knew that. We just jacked up their social networking site. And then in 2003, MySpace launched. Come on. You want to know how weird MySpace was? You could rank your friends in order of one through eight. <laughs> Do you remember my top eight? Come on, who does that? Who does that? You actually ranked. You know what I mean? It's like, this is my number one. You know what I mean? Before someone was there, Chick-fil-A, it's like, you were my number one. My number one on MySpace. And then in 2004, that's when we got the giant that still exists today, Facebook. But listen, Facebook actually started exclusively to Harvard students. Come on, how snobby is that? Like, if you didn't go to Harvard, you couldn't have a Facebook account. Did you know that? The kids in the room are like, I don't go on Facebook. That's where my aunts and uncles are, and they embarrass me when they comment on my posts, Pastor. So I just don't go on there. But Facebook launched in 2004, and it launched under the banner of exclusivity. You had to be a student at Harvard in order to have an account. And then in 2005, one of the biggest cultural phenomenons launched, and it is still a big cultural phenomenon today, and that was YouTube. In 2005, that's when YouTube launched. Now, today, YouTube continues to be the largest search engine amongst Generation Z. In 2006, Facebook says, all right, enough with the exclusivity. We are going to launch to the general public. And so Facebook launched to the general public in 2006. And you want to know what else launched in 2006? Twitter. And that's when the dictionary had to go and include a brand new word called a tweet. And 140 character counts. Now in 2010, now this is when it gets real fun, okay? In 2010, Instagram opens. Come on, how many of y'all love Instagram? And now all of a sudden everyone is a photographer and now we know what you had for dinner last night. Everyone's just taking pictures of their food, right? 
that was like that always just like rocked me. I'm like, I don't want to see your food right now. But but in 2010, Instagram steps in, and then 2011, it's like the devil came to earth because Snapchat was created in 2011. And I'm telling you right now, nothing good ever happens on Snapchat. Do you know how many times I've had people in my office talking about drama, and they said, "Well, Pastor, it's because of Snapchat." I'm I am convinced the devil lives in Snapchat. I am absolutely, amen, someone's like, me too. I am absolutely convinced the devil lives in Snapchat. And then we got some lesser things, because those are the giants. But in 2013, how do you remember Vine? I mean, that was, like a, that was like a flash in the pan, you know? Six-second videos. It was the coolest thing ever. Vine, right? Do it for the Vine. Do you remember when people would say that? Do it for the Vine. And then in 2014, Periscope opened up. Everyone was a live broadcast. Y'all remember that? Everybody was on Periscope. I'm going live on Periscope. And then in 2017, now this is the newest thing, parents, y'all, don't sleep on this one, okay? It started in 2017, it started blowing up in 2019, but TikTok came into the, TikTok showed up. And now some of your parents are like, what in the world is TikTok? Do yourselves a favor, get a TikTok account and keep an eye on your children, all right? But it is lip-syncing, comedy, and talent videos. But listen, I just gave you a rundown over the last 23 years of digital innovation all about social media. But here's the alarming fact. We are living in a connected world, and yet we are lonelier than we've ever been. We're living in a connected world, and yet we're lonelier than we've ever been. Now, I, there are so many reasons, and, and I could be up here for days talking about all these reasons, so I'm just going to pick on one today. I'm going to pick on one. And, and, and I want you to write this down. Although we are more connected than we've ever been, our relationships have become superficial. And so even though we're connected, you can be on Instagram and have thousands of followers and yet feel alone. And the reason is, is because of what has happened with social media, we don't ever talk about our real issues. You see, social media has become the place where we capture the right angle. Nothing ever goes up on Instagram unless you had a chance to run it through an app and make sure you got the right filter, make sure you dropped a few pounds by pinching on your image, making sure you edit the photo. We always put our best foot forward on social media, don't we? And I'm putting myself in there, too. You don't know how many times I'm like, I want to post this picture. And my wife's like, no, that does not go on the gram. And, and, and you know what I'm talking about because you've been there, too. But, but we face the pressure now of having to look better. We face the pressure of having to accomplish more. We face the pressure of wanting to take epic vacations or, or, or whatever we want to do. We, 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 we feel like we have to measure up to what's out there. And the truth is social media is a highlight reel. But that's all it is, because no one's posting their worst moments on social media. No one's posting about the real stuff. We're always on there like, no days off. We're always on. Things are always good. We never hurt. We never lose. We are never in need of anything. But how many know that's not real life? I said, how many know that's not real life? We deal with loss. We deal with pain. We deal with disappointment. We have bad days, and in, and in real life, we occasionally have a meal that isn't so good looking that we have to take a picture of it. And if we don't have a place to share these experiences with others, we will start to live lonely, and we will begin to create a life of isolation, and we will disconnect from God and with people because we've got real issues going on, but we don't want to talk about it. 
We've got real hurt going on, but we don't want to have a conversation about it. We've got real pain that we are dealing with, but we feel like I have to live my life here so I can't talk about it. And so we are all alone. And the next thing I want you to write down is we are not designed to do life alone. God never designed for us to do life alone. Let's go all the way, book, all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper who is comparable to him. And thank God that we're not alone. Amen. And thank God that he didn't design us and wire us and say, now go figure it out all by yourself. But from the very beginning, when God looked at Adam and he said, Adam, as great as you are, you're missing something. You need somebody in your life. And so he created someone that was comparable to him. And God's design for our life has always been that our lives would be lived in the context of one another. Somebody say one another. He has wired us for relationships. We need someone in our life that we can be real with. You need someone in your life that you can pick up the phone and call them and tell them, I am not okay. How many know that it's okay to not be okay? I'll say that again. It is okay to not be okay. Too many of you think that I have to have everything all together. Too many of you think that I have to have everything figured out. And it's okay to say, I don't know what my next step is. It's okay to have people in your life that you can talk to, a group that you can run to and say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. I don't know where I'm supposed to go next. I'm hurting because things didn't work out the way that I thought that they were going to work out. I'm hurting because I've lost something that was significant to me. And if you are not careful, you'll, you, you'll find yourself isolating from everyone else because you're too busy comparing your life from what you're seeing on social media. And, and, and comparison only ever killed your potential. You've got so much potential, and there's things that God wants to do through you. There's things that God wants to do for you. But if you're constantly comparing yourself to what God is doing in other people's lives, you'll never see God's unique fingerprint on your life. Yeah. I'm going to say that one more time. Try, try to take another run at it. God's got a unique plan for you. And I think God's unique plan for you is better than you trying to copy someone else's plan for their life. I really do believe that. I really believe that his unique plan for you is better than you trying to live someone else's life. So what if they went on a vacation that you wish you went on? It's not God's plan for you. So what if they got a house that is not the house that you wanted for yourself? It's not God's plan for you. So you've got to slow down and have enough wherewithal to know that God has a plan for me. I need to get inside the right circle and stop trying to watch other people and stop positioning myself to see other people because I want to live connected. I've got to have a crew and I have to have people in my life that I can share my real pains and hurts with. Now, let me take you to the passage of Scripture in Ecclesiastes. Now, the book of Ecclesiastes is a collection of wisdom from King Solomon. He was the third kingdom, and um, he was the third king, he was the third king uh, over all of Israel. Who preceded him was his father, David, and who preceded him was King Saul. So he's third up, and, and this king was a wise king. And so the book of Ecclesiastes was him just kind of writing down a collection of wisdom. And he, he starts off this passage of Scripture by saying, I observed something meaningless and he talks about a man who was a hard-working man and he had accumulated all kinds of wealth but because he chose to isolate himself 
He had no one to celebrate his success with. Do you want to know what isolation will also do to you? Not only is it, not only is it a place that it allows you to um, share th- your struggles with, when you, have, when, you, when you are isolated, you don't have a community that you can share your struggles with. But, but let me give you another point up here. Relationships are not just a place to talk about your issues, but relationships are also a place for you to talk about your success. Relationships are a place where you can also talk about your success. Because I can't think of anything worse than climbing up a figurative mountain in your life. Now, that could be a mountain of health. That can be a mountain of success. That can be a mountain of career. That can be accomplishing goals. I can't think of anything more depressing than getting on the top of the mountain and looking around, and you've got no one to celebrate you because you chose to live in isolation. And so you got to have someone that you can be real with and talk about your issues, but the reason why you've got to have these deep relationships is so that when you get to the top of the mountain, there's someone there to high-five you, there's someone there to applaud you, there's someone there to congratulate you, and you're never going to do that if you live in isolation. This is why last week I kind of ended our sermon ramping up for this one, and I talked about how your values must honor God, your values must honor your, your family, and your values must also honor your church community, because when you have your values in the right place, when you go and succeed, and when you win, there's going to be people there that are going to be shouting you down, and that's a great feeling, Amen. That's a great feeling knowing that I've achieved my goal, but it wasn't a selfish ambition. There were people right there with me, going with me, and here I am at the top of the mountain, and there are people there to celebrate my success. But you can't do that if you live in isolation. You cannot do that if digital relationships disrupt the real personal relationships that God wants you to have with people. God wants you to live in community. God wants you to have real relationships. But it, you, you have to disrupt the digital disruption and get back to sitting down and having a real relationship with somebody. Amen? How many know that we got to get back to this place where all of our communication is not just through a direct message? It's not just through a text message. How many know that we got to get back to this place where we can look at someone eyeball to eyeball and say, this is how I am doing. God designed us for that. God designed us for community. And so if you find yourselves there, if you're wondering like, well, pastor, what do I do if I find myself there? I want to give you some three things that I think are going to help you. Three things, and then we're going to wrap it up, and I'm going to go by them pretty quickly. But first, if you find yourself in a place where you feel like I'm all alone and nobody understands me, the first thing and the best thing you need to do is you need to connect with God. You need to connect with God. You need to have a time alone with God because the Bible says he is a father to the fatherless. Anytime you feel like nobody gets me and nobody understands me, his word says he's a father to the fatherless. He's a friend to the friendless. I said he's a friend to the friendless. When you feel like nobody gets me, have a conversation with him. Have a conversation with him. And you might be wondering, well, Pastor, I don't even know how to even do all of that. Have a long time with God. It's just as simple as shutting everything down and talking to him like you would talk to a friend that's in the room with you. That's it. That's all it is. That's all it is. There is no scripted formula for how you come to God and the words that you must use and you need to speak old English to him. It's not any of that. It's just having a conversation and saying, God, 
I'm going through this in my life right now, and I don't know what the answer is. That's having a moment with God. God, I have this test coming up, and I don't feel ready for it. Can you help me calm my nerves and calm my anxiety? That's having a conversation with God. You need to connect with him. This past week, I was away on travel, and I was at a, a, a conference that it was, it was phenomenal, but I was telling my wife yesterday, as I had to get back into my rhythm and back into my routine, I told her, I miss my quiet times with God. Because for three days, I was just like disrupted. I was flying, I was there, and then was flying home. And so for three days, I was disrupted, and I told my wife, I miss my quiet time with God. You got to get to a place where when those things disrupt your schedule, you miss it. And that's a place that I've worked really hard at. And at the beginning of this year, got super intentional about my quiet time with him. Just being alone with him. Just communing with the Lord. So that's the first thing you got to do. The second thing that you need to do is you want to connect with other believers on a regular basis. You want to connect with other believers. Why believers, Pastor Josh? Because you need people that are going to speak life to you. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You got some friends in your life that you can't share anything with because all they're going to do is make fun of you, right? It's just like you, some of you got those friends where, and, and I do some of that too. I've got some friends where it's like, man, be careful what you post on social media because they're going to roast you. You know what I'm saying? They're going to take your picture. They're going to like tweak it. They're going to give it back to you all photoshopped. And you're like, my God, what kind of friend are you? But I'm talking about some life-giving friends. How many talk, how do you know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about some life-giving friends? Everybody needs life-giving relationships in your life. Because I know what it's like to just have friends and goofball all the time and call each other's names. And you call, I mean, like, your name is actually a nickname that you absolutely hate. You'd hate for your coworkers to find out about it. I'm talking about life-giving relationships. I'm talking about people that are always going to lift you up. I'm talking about people that are going to always believe the best in you. I'm talking about people that are going to challenge you to be better. This is why today we're going to hang out for all you guys that can make it. That's a life-giving group. We're just going to hang out, watch Super Bowl together because I want you to meet other guys and have life-giving relationships with them. For the girls, get to that event on Saturday. It's going to be an incredible time at Galentine's. If you're like, I don't know anyone, then that's the reason you should go. So you can make some friends. So you can start developing a circle, a community of people that are going to build you up, people that are going to lift you up, and people that are going to help you to be better. Hebrews 10.25 says this, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You've got to have people in your life. You've got to have life-giving friends around you. This is the third one, and I'm coming to a close now. Third. You need to have an outlet for your passion. And I'm really talking about you need to have an outlet for your gifts, your spiritual gifts. The gifts that God has deposited on the inside of you. And if you're saying, Pastor, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. I've got great news for you. Because today is step one of growth track. And immediately after this service, I would love to sit down with you. Because what we do in growth track is we help you discover the purpose that God has over your life. You see, we at this church, we don't want to just say, let God use you and serve out your purpose here in this life. And you're like, I don't know what it is. And we're like, good luck finding it. No, no, no. That's not it. We actually come alongside you. And we do this in three sequential Sundays. And we just sit down with you and we help unpack the way God has wired you. And then we unpack your spiritual gifts. Because when you begin to live out of those spiritual gifts, you're going to find a deeper level of fulfillment that no amount of social media could ever fulfill. 
And that's just the truth. How many have found that fulfillment in your life because you're now living out of your gift? Come on, how many are living out of your gift in this room? Come on, let me get some. Can I get a good round of applause for people that are saying, you know what? It's never been the same since I started living out of my gift. You've got to have an outlet for your passion. Let, 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 me, let, me give you some, let me give you some stuff that I just heard, okay? Um, this was on a study by the Nazarene Church. It says that 96% of Christians make a decision to follow Christ before the age of 30. The overwhelming majority, 96 96% of Christians, people that are already following Christ, 96% made a decision to follow Christ before the age of 30. That's why our services will always have a younger flair to it because we're really going after that under 30 crowd. And listen, I'm a, your boy's turning 40 this year, okay? But I'm still going to be pushing for that under 30 crowd. When I'm 50 years old, I'm going to be pushing for that under 30 cr crowd. Why? Because 96% of people under 30 who are Christians today made a decision before then. You guys want to get a more startling fact? Watch this now. Of those 96%, 85% of those people made a decision before the age of 14. Wow. And, and I'm one of them. I made a decision to follow Jesus when I was 11 years old. I went to a camp, same place that our kids actually go to camp. I went to camp at Indian Hills, and I couldn't explain what was happening, but they, they had a preacher, and after the preacher, they said, we're going to pray for everyone, and the tears were flowing. The tears were flowing. I lifted up my hands, and I just began to speak and pray in a language that was a heavenly language, and I didn't know what was going on, but God got a hold of me right then and there. And, and, and because of those moments and because of the research that, that, that we now know about, that's why in the coming weeks we're going to launch a program on Sunday, every single Sunday, just for our middle school, for our middle school students. I, I think we should celebrate that just for them. Every Sunday, right now, uh, Ruthie and Peter, let's give them a round of applause. Ruthie and Peter, they're incredible leaders here at this church. And, 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 and I'm going to just say, just pray for us, y'all, okay, because um, we, we've been ready to go since January, and this school's like, maybe you don't really need to be doing this, but we just believe it's going to happen. We're declaring it. We're speaking it into existence. It's going to come together. We're going to make it happen. Um, but but that's, that's something that's, that, that's really been in our heart because, again, 85% of that 96% makes a decision before they get to the age of 14. What does that mean? The older they get, the less likely they are to make a decision. The older they get, the less likely they are to make a decision. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm saying the, 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 the numbers show, the data shows that the older they get, the less likely they will make that decision. And, and you know, it's not just what we're doing in middle school. How many know that we get an incredible mission field with our L kids right now, every single Sunday? We ought to clap our hands for all of our L kids team. They do such a phenomenal job leading. Every Sunday, our L kids... Uh, um, we have a program just for them. And I don't know about your kids, but my kids who aren't L kids, they love church on Sunday. Not, not because of this. They don't come inside here. But because of what that selfless team does every single Sunday. Now, I say all that to get you back to this point. What are you doing with the gifts that God has given you? If you're like, I just want to make a difference, I just told you where you can make a difference. Sign up to help in L Kids or sign up to help Pastor uh, Peter and Ruthie as they get ready to launch the middle school. If you're wondering, how can I make a difference? Right there. That's a beautiful spot to make a difference. We can make a difference with our middle school students and we can make a difference with our elementary school students because we want them to be part of that statistic. 
where they made a decision at a very young age. And it's a lot of work. Is it a lot of work? Absolutely. It's a lot of work. But the reality is, is more lives are being impacted there than are actually being impacted here. You look at it that way. I mean, this is amazing. We celebrate. It's a place to gather. It's a place for healing. It's a place for breakthrough. But most of the decisions are happening out there. And we need help out there. If you feel isolated and alone, you need to have an outlet for your spiritual gift. Connect with God. Connect with people. And then use the gifts that God has given you to go make a difference in someone's life. To go and make a difference in who they are. And the difference in what God wants to do in their life. And so we are putting the pedal. We, we are putting our foot on the pedal. And we are going to blow up that middle school experience. We're going to continue to blow up our, our kids' experience. Because that is where they are making a decision. That will affect their eternity. Who says young people can't make a decision that will affect their eternity? I did. When I was 11 years old, I made a decision. Now, I'm not saying I've been perfect since then, but let me just say this. There were a lot of things I thought about doing, but my, but my relationship with God kept me in check. I've, I've been around where there was an opportunity, and I was like, you know, I just can't do that. I've been around an opportunity where I had a chance to do something. It's like, man, I can't do that. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I've slipped. I've made my mistakes. I've, done, I've gone farther than I should have gone, and I've seen things I shouldn't have seen, and I've said things I shouldn't have said. I'm not immune to that. But let me just tell you, there was a lot more opportunities that, that, that I could have done something, and I didn't do it because of what happened when I was 11 years old. And don't you want that for your kids? I want that for my kids. I want that for my kids, for them to be restrained. Because they've got a vision for their life. The Bible says where there is no vision, people perish. It's another translation that says where there's no vision, people cast off all restraint. I want my son to have a vision for his life so that when opportunities present itself that are not in line with his vision, he has restraint. He doesn't just go anywhere and do anything and be with anyone because he's got a vision for his life. And he's going to stay restrained in that vision. Restraint isn't always a bad thing. It's a good thing when you're tethered to your vision. It's a good thing when you're tethered to God's plan. So again, as I close, where do I start? If you're like, Pastor, where, where, do, I even, where do I even begin with all of this? Go to Growth Track. I'm going to be there. I'm actually teaching today. You want to see, see a brother teach fast? I'm going to teach fast today because it's Super Bowl Sunday. No kidding. But I will get you out of here on time. You will not miss the game. We will feed you pizza, and we will watch your kids if you got kids. But I would love to get you started on a journey. I would love to get you started on a journey because there's nothing... That hurts my heart more than seeing y'all come. Some of you Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and yet there's no friends. You're not doing life together with anybody. And God does not want you to live alone. Come on, clap your hands all over this house. Would you just lean in as I lead you in prayer right where you're at? Father, I thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in this place. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others. Or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.